Chapter 80 Abasa He frowned. He frowned and turned his face away. This chapter's main message is to remind people to beware of even the most subtle aspect of their conduct while interacting with others. It begins with God reproaching the Prophet for frowning when a blind man interrupted his conversation in a political assembly of the utmost important Meccan leaders. This was the very sensitive context within which the blind man asked in a very loud voice. This was the very sensitive context within which the blind man asked in a very loud voice, O Muhammad, teach me what God has taught you. The Prophet turned to see who had rudely interrupted the meeting and, seeing who it was, frowned, turned his head and continued talking with Meccan leaders because the blind man wielded little or no influence in the society. This is why this chapter was revealed and why it starts with a reminder and a reprimand. It is interesting to note here that the Prophet is addressed in the third person. This is usually done to show displeasure with or to lower the interlocutor's status. However, starting with the third verse, he is addressed directly. When the blind man approached him, Al-A'ma is in the definite form denoting that the Prophet knew the blind man. For all you know, he might have grown in purity because of meeting and talking with you. The main purpose of the message is to invite people to a lifestyle that purifies them and helps them grow in spiritual perfection. Yazekka To purify signifies cleansing or healthy growth. One of Islam's pillars is zakat, almsgiving, and thus is mandated by the sharia to purify the bounties that God has granted us and to encourage its robust growth. Funds collected from this religious tax are used to help the poor and indigent as well as to fund community projects. This is similar to pruning a tree so that it can grow in a healthy manner and defend itself from various diseases. Or might have received an admonition and the teaching might have benefited him. The verb yadhakkaru, denoting acceptance, but its root, dhikr, to remember, is the opposite of nisyan, to forget. Therefore, either the Prophet's words would have caused him to cleanse himself and grow in spiritual perfection, or they might have affected him and awakened him from forgetfulness. Either way, he would have benefited. As for the one who considers himself self-sufficient and is indifferent to the truth. These important Meccans would not have listened to you because they think that they already know everything. You give him your attention. But instead, you gave your full attention to them who think they are self-sufficient. Even though you are not responsible if he will not purify himself. A prophet is not responsible for cleansing people, 
but only for delivering the message. The Prophet was meeting with these important Makans in the hope that they would either accept his message or at least stop harassing his followers. He thought that even if this blind man were virtuous, he could not do anything to reduce the existing tension. Anyone in this situation would have come to the same conclusion. God contrasts two groups of people here. Regarding the blind man, he says, For all you know, he might have grown in purity. Maybe the Prophet's words would have awakened his conscience and caused him to start cleansing himself. But Muhammad chose to ignore him. Regarding the second group, God says that it is a waste of time to teach those who were not seeking his message and considered themselves self-sufficient. God does not judge people based on their social standing, but on how they respond to choice presented to them. But as for the one who came to you earnestly and speedily, this verse stresses that the blind person took the initiative and endured much hardship to visit the Prophet, and he didn't seek this knowledge to set himself up as a learned person to improve his status in the community, but because he was worried about his future and had wondered, Am I making the right decisions regarding my relationship with God? He came eagerly of his own volition to ensure that he was on the right path. And yet despite this, the Prophet ignored him so he could continue talking with those who had no sincere interest in what he had to say. And with fear of God in his heart. Quran chapter 35 verse 28 notes that only those endowed with knowledge stand in awe of God, for only they choose to reflect upon their fate and are concerned about the afterlife. The blind man was clearly one of these people. The Quran contrasts these subtleties in a very delicate manner. The low-status blind man sought the truth because he possessed the eye of the heart, whereas people with physical eyesight, power, and leadership roles ignored the message and, as a result, were truly the blind ones. Of him you are unmindful and pay no attention. These verses clearly show that the person being addressed here is none other than the Prophet. Although these verses criticize the Prophet, they were not revealed to lower his status, but rather to remind people of how God measures one's performance. These verses show the falsity of our assumptions that a society's power brokers and wealthy are God's beloved. God also kept a close watch on the Prophet's behavior, even though he had imbued him with a high degree of God-consciousness. God revealed these verses just because the Prophet frowned. By no means can this be considered acceptable, for it, the Quran, is surely a reminder. We should understand the Prophet's situation at this time. He and his few followers were facing a strong and virulent opposition from the Meccan leaders. Thus, he was worried about their future, wondering if his mission would bear any fruit. 
and how he was supposed to transform his spiritually ignorant and backward tribal society. God reminded him that his duty was only to disseminate the message. Let whosoever desires pay heed to it. Whoever takes this message to heart will be awakened. The prophet was not tasked with forcing his people to accept it because only those gifted with penetrative minds can accept admonition. Such people set limits on their conduct and take counsel, whereas those who live a superficial life do not, and thus will remain in their ignorance. Recorded on Honored Pages God assures the Prophet that his message will not be forgotten because it is recorded on Honored Pages. Interestingly, paper had not yet appeared in the Arabian Peninsula, and so people mostly wrote on animal skins, bones, or wood. Moreover, the culture was largely oral due to overwhelming rates of illiteracy. Furthermore, it does not make sense to ascribe honor to pages of paper. Therefore, pages does not necessarily mean pages of paper, but may refer to the pages of human memory that hold our collective thoughts and the knowledge that resides in our expansive hearts. Of course, this verse could also mean that sometime in the future, these verses would be recorded on pages of paper. Pages Exalted and Pure Throughout history, many emperors, monarchs, and political leaders have used and abused Islam's name and message to further their own selfish and corrupt ends. This situation has been exacerbated in our time, for Islamists who aspire to establish a so-called Islamic State are sullying Islam's noble message and denigrating the Prophet's character by their words and actions. Despite the many violent acts perpetrated by a few Muslims, as well as the onslaught of attacks by social media, Islam is just as authentic today as it was during the Prophet's time, and its message is just as pure and uncorrupted. How appropriate it is, then, that chapter 15, verse 9, emphatically asserts that God has bestowed this message from on high and will protect it from all corruption. Written by the Hands of Scribes Here, the Quran uses messengers as opposed to messenger. The Arabic word safara comes from the root sin fa ra which has many meanings, one of them being to unveil. Some scholars consider the word tafsir, exegesis, to belong to the same root because it explains and unveils the text's hidden meaning. God's emissaries are exegetes, religious authorities, preachers, teachers, and all those who accept this message and disseminate it. Indeed, its recipients are its genuine seekers. These benevolent and noble emissaries will make the Quran's truth clear to those who truly seek it.
noble and virtuous. Some exegetes have suggested that these attributes are ascribed only to angels. However, as angels do not relay the truth to humanity, it is more appropriate to ascribe these attributes to the Quran itself, and, of course, to those people who become well-versed in it, take its message to heart, and implement its teachings in their daily lives. They are the ones who become endowed with these attributes. Man, by rejecting and denying the reminder and the message, has brought about his own destruction. How ungrateful he is! It might be surprising to see that God curses humans. However, this is not a mere slogan but a proclamation of a reality that applies to a section of humanity who stubbornly resists accepting the truth. Those who cover the truth and choose not to see it are, in reality, destroying themselves by suppressing their innate abilities. The above verse uses the passive verb form qutila, which is often translated as he was killed. However, this word also means to neutralize, in the sense that when one denies the truth, one kills the potentialities of one's soul and thus becomes impotent and useless. Why does he not pay attention to his own creation and ask himself from what insignificant substance he, God, has created him? God created each person from reproductive fluids that contain the blueprint for his or her existence. A human being is made up of an original cell that propagates itself through geometric progression. Out of mere mixed fluids of the male and female sexual discharges, he created him and then proportioned him. Each person has 46 chromosomes, each one of which comprises thousands of genes and about one million atoms. Our physical characteristics, psyche, and personality are products of an amazingly complex order. Have you ever wondered who coordinates the interrelationship among these millions of different atoms? How do they know to produce different cells for your liver, kidney, hair, and so on? How can people think that they are so high and mighty that they can deny God's existence and guidance? and made his path easy for him. All bodily cells perform unique tasks so that each organ can form and function properly. In other words, creation and guidance move hand in hand. God has taught each organ its specific function so that it knows its place in the amazing jigsaw puzzle of creation. Then, he causes him to die and be buried. Death is not the end of life and has nothing to do with destruction. This creation of God is not annihilation or a final end, but rather a transition from one state of existence to another. This can be compared 
to a cocoon-bound and apparently motionless silkworm that one day comes to life and emerges as a butterfly. The word grave is not the place where one is buried, for if that were the case, those who were cremated, burned, or lost at sea would have no grave. Rather, this particular word is used to convey the sense that one remains in a hidden state after death while waiting to be reborn into a different life on the day of resurrection. Then, when he wills, he brings him to life. Human beings emerge from the grave when God wills them to do so. This is similar to a planted seed that gains a new life and sprouts under the proper conditions. We now understand and accept this is a fact because modern technology has discovered the nature and function of genes. But before the modern era, people accepted this fact because of their faith. By no means has he fulfilled what he had enjoined upon him. God breathed his own soul into each human being. Chapter 32, verse 9 and thereby bestowed upon every man and woman the ability to become godly, namely, to nurture one's divine aspect. God commands us to utilize our abilities in order to actualize our innate potential. Of course, even if he had not done so, the fact that he gave us the potential to be godly makes it obligatory upon us to realize this goal and yet we fail to do so. So let man, in order to understand this point, consider the sources of his food and nourishment. The Quran presents two proofs for the day of resurrection, genetics and nature. Forty of its verses dealing with humanity's creation feature such words as sperm, undifferentiated lump of flesh, and connection to previous and future generations, to bring God's creative power to our attention. Also, God instructs us to reflect on nature, plants, and their relative forms and functions, how seeds grow, where and how our food sources are created, and so on. We pour down water in abundance. The plural anna refers to the totality of natural laws and order, operating under his command, and sub connotes a forceful downpour. For example, rain nourishes earth and makes the land suitable for cultivation. Then cleave the earth asunder. Earth is created in such a fashion that it can absorb the rain. Imagine if our planet's surface were made of hardened lava, or if it were like the moon's surface. Not being able to absorb rain, our planet would not have supported any form of life and growth. Earth has been created to work in coordination with the blessings of the sky, such as rain, so that seeds in its soil, which are capable of absorbing rain, can grow into food for its inhabitants. 
we cause grain to grow therein. Grains are a major food source for people. For example, wheat provides 96% of the different types of protein needed by our bodies. Grapes and edible fodder for the livestock. Grapes are mentioned here as an example of fruits that grow on vines. Edible fodder refers to vegetables and herbs used as foods or for medicinal purposes by both humans and animals. All of these agricultural products are Earth's gift to humanity and its livestock to enjoy and sustain life. Olives and Dates Olives and dates refer to those fruits that grow on trees. And dense gardens. The many varieties of fruits grown in orchards are collectively summed up in dense gardens. Fruits and grasses. The cornucopia of colors, tastes, shapes, and so on among fruits and vegetables is due to variations in their genes. Who has created these genes and given them such diverse abilities? This is why the Quran reminds us and tells us to reflect upon the food that we eat. Provision for you and your livestock to enjoy. All of these creations are for people and their livestock to enjoy. It took millions of years for earth to become habitable, and soon this era will end and another one will begin. The word matar, enjoyment, implies that earth will be habitable for a short time. But when the deafening cry of the day of resurrection comes, this is similar to the Big Bang, which ushered in a new existence. The day when a man will flee from his brother. The relationship between brothers occupies its own verse and is mentioned before all other relationships, because in that era it was considered the closest one. From his mother and his father. No one will have any time to worry about others, regardless of how close their relationship had been until that moment and from his wife and children. The event on the day of resurrection is so dreadful and awe-inspiring that one will become totally self-absorbed and forget about all worldly connections. One's relationships are classified according to the degree of closeness. On that day, every man will have enough concerns of his own to make him indifferent to others. This shocking event will be of such a magnitude that everybody will become completely preoccupied with their own affairs and what awaits them. On that day, some faces will be beaming with happiness. Some people will have brilliant and luminous faces. In this verse, wujuh, faces, symbolizes the person's inner state. Musfira, beaming, among other meanings, can mean to unveil. It is as if the cover of darkness is gone 
and now Morning's face is shining, laughing and rejoicing at the good news of salvation. Their faces are cheerful, just like blossoming flowers, because they are awaiting the arrival of the joyous news of salvation. Mustabshira is derived from the root Bashara and Dahika means rejoicing, and other faces on that day will be dust stained and gloomy. In contrast, other people will have dust darkened faces. When dust rises, it darkens and tarnishes the atmosphere. Covered in darkness, sorrowful and grieving. The word qatara connotes something that is burned and wasted. In this context, it refers to those whose faces are darkened with the gloom of sorrow because they never even tried to actualize their innate abilities. These are the disbelievers, the wicked ones. God has created human beings with the ability to live in a state of God-awareness. In short, people can control their actions and guard themselves against their lower self, immoral behavior, and whims. Yet He allows them to live in ignorance, if they choose to do so, which is characterized by doing whatever they want because they are driven by their lower self, ego, and impulses, and care nothing for their society's moral norms.